Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. The words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, after two Sundays away, it is great to be back uh, with you all. Um, I guess it's a good sign that as I was gone, I really missed being here. Um, It just doesn't seem, um, my week doesn't seem complete without having an opportunity for us to gather and worship together. Last week, we heard the first part of the story that uh, Jesus continues in today's gospel reading. If you remember the story, uh, a man comes up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Hey, would you please tell my brother that he needs to share the inheritance with me? And we don't know the reason why. We don't know if the guy has been wrongfully uh, defrauded of an inheritance that belonged to him um, or Maybe, um, you know, he just feels like he's getting the short end of the stick. Uh, This is a culture in which the uh, oldest child was uh, generally honored and was the one who would have inherited the land. And maybe uh, this is someone who just feels like that's not fair. We're not really sure what happened. But what's interesting is Jesus' response to the man. And he tells him, basically, hey, why are you worrying about money? Why are you worrying about things? Why are you worrying about stuff? And if we want to get to the heart of discipleship um, of Jesus, if we want to get to the heart about our relationship with God, there is this truth that is found in Luke chapter 12. And that is, is that our possessions and our desires for possessions are a major obstacle in a relationship with God. Let me say that again. Our possessions and our desires for possessions are a major obstacle in our relationship with God. It has been said that you could look at your calendar and you could look at your bank account and you, it will give witness to that which you worship, that which, which you value. One of the most common complaints about church today is people say, oh, well, all the church does is want my money. We'll point to uh, uh, preachers on Instagram who are wearing $1,000 sneakers or megachurch preachers who have ginormous houses and uh, go and beg their flock for uh, more money for a new private jet as a sign of just how, uh, how, much this pro- how big of a problem that this is. But the reality is, is for most churches... The day-to-day struggle is not about $1,000 sneakers or giant houses or private jets. It's how do we respond to the immediate needs of the community around us that is hurting and that's in pain. What's interesting is when we hear the church say, hey, here's a time and an opportunity to give money, Um, our reaction of, oh, the church just wants money, is not the reaction we have in other places, right? So when the TV commercial comes on and there's a car that you've been sort of eyeing and you're like, wow, 
It's only three twenty twenty nine on a month. And look, 0% interest for 60 months. Let's go. Last weekend when uh, I, along with everybody else, decided to go to the mall for back-to-school shopping, when I went into the Gap and I saw that their pants were half off, I didn't say, they just want my money. I said, oh, goody, we'll get two. When I see that Peloton commercial with the bike, I sit there and think, hmm, for $5 a day, I could look like that too. (laughs) Right? Because we live in this transactional um, economy in which we are used to giving something and then getting something in return. But in reality, um, most churches, and certainly this church, doesn't really operate in a transactional economy. Right? We, have, we have done funerals for people that we didn't even know. Just somebody who died, who needed a place for the family to mourn. We go and we visit people in the hospital who are sick or recovering from surgery who aren't even parishioners. Why? Because that is what Jesus would want us to do. But there's no transaction that's involved in there. Now maybe there's some churches out there who say, hey... You can only have a funeral here if you're a member of the church, but I don't see that very often. And in this transactional economy, what we begin to do is monetize our relationships. We monetize our relationships with the stores that we shop at. We monetize our relationships with the people that we do business with. And what Jesus is giving is an alter- alternative vision for how life should be lived, not as a transaction, but as a relationship. William Cavanaugh, who is, uh, wrote the book Being Consumed, points out that our society, rather than being, rather the problem being that we are attached to our stuff, Cavanaugh says that the problem is, is we are detached from our stuff. We are detached from our stuff and that things are just disposable and replaceable. A few years ago, my weed eater would not start at the beginning of the year. Go and take it into a small engine shop to be replaced or to be repaired. And they said, you know what? It is cheaper for you to go buy a new one than it is for us to repair this one. And, and, and folks will tell you that there is huge consumer, pre- huge manufacturing pressure to drive down the cost of goods so that things just become replaceable rather than fixable. We're not just attached from our stuff because it's easy for us to throw away the thing. I, 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 I remember fondly my seventh birthday gift, which was a nine-inch Zenith television. And I kept it. And when we moved to seminary, Kristen said, it's time to get rid of it. (laughs) It doesn't even have a remote control anymore. And you can't buy one that goes with it. But I was attached, like I love this thing. You know, here it was, like that many years later, it was still working. (laughs) Right? And, and, And so it became something that just went off into the trash. We're detached from the ways in which our stuff is made and from the people who make the things that we enjoy. 
I love sitting in my room and asking Alexa to continue reading to me from Audible. I love in the morning as I'm getting ready to say, hey, please play up first on NPR so I know what's going on in the world. Maybe you too read the article this last week about how Alexa is manufactured by children who are forced to work long, hard hours in intolerable conditions at wages that are below what somebody should get paid just for me to have the luxury of not having to read a book to myself. Right? So we're detached from the people who make the things that we consume. We are detached from the thing that we actually have because we don't value it because we can know we can just throw it away and go buy a new one. We love the fact that we can go and buy clothes cheap enough that we can have a closet full of clothes and once they, once they don't give out, we just simply get rid of them. Goodwill tells us that they get more junk than they have the ability to do anything with, and a lot of what we go and donate ends up being shredded and destroyed because they don't have the market for our replaceable, disposable stuff. And all of this desire to consume and to have is an anxiety that is given to us in the wider Western culture in which we live. Right? I'm not here to sit there and shame anybody here because I'm as guilty as you are. I too swim in the waters and I wonder how possibly could we live life differently. Tom Wright says that, that this world is built on anxiety, that you see it in the faces of people hurrying to work. You see it even more as they travel home, tired without having solved life's problems. The faces are weary and puzzled, living with the unanswerable questions of what does this all mean? The world thrives on people setting higher and higher goals, becoming more and more efficient so that we get the benefit and the joy of worrying day in and day out about whether we have achieved the goals that we have set, whether we are efficient enough, whether we have accomplished enough, whether we are a failure or not. Jesus in this chapter 12 is not just offering how to live a carefree life. Jesus is offering an alternative to the world in which we live. Rather, I would say that Jesus is offering us a way to rethink about what does it mean to say that we are alive. That Jesus announces this kingdom of God. That at its heart is about God's sovereignty sweeping the world with love and with power so that human beings made in the image of God may relax in the knowledge that God is in control. Jesus says to his disciples, do not be afraid, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus leans on images from King Solomon and says, look at the birds. They don't worry about where their meal is coming from. Look at the flowers, the lilies in the field. Look how beautiful they are. And they don't spend an ounce of time in anxious worry about where they're getting what they're getting. King Solomon, if any king in the Old Testament could be a hero, because the reality is, is that most of them um, were not great people. 
But King Solomon was wise. When he came to power, King Solomon did not say, I want wealth, I want a major army, I want a lot of power. King Solomon said, I pray to God that God may give me a listening heart. That God may give me a listening heart. And I think that that's really what Jesus is trying to get at in this passage. All this concern and worry about power and wealth and stuff. I mean, I understand we're humans and this is something that we're always going to wrestle with. But Jesus is really calling his disciples to be willing to have a listening heart. To hear what it is that God would want. That God wants life for us and the life is not found from our attachment or detachment from our stuff. But rather it is life in the kingdom. All of these instructions from Jesus to sell our possessions, to give alms, to make purses for yourselves that they will not wear out, to store up treasure in heaven, not in the things that will be eaten by rust and moth. These these are not things that Jesus is, is making in a transactional way. If you give so much money, then I will love you. Rather, Jesus is talking about how to be alive, to have a listening heart. Jesus says, and a lot of people use these images as a way of fear-mongering, of making um, a relationship with God a transaction. He said, blessed are those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet. And here's the thing, that unless there's a shotgun present at the altar, wedding banquets are generally joyful events. Right, So the master's return from the wedding banquet is not so that we can be punished, not to see if we've gotten everything right, but to continue the party going. And Jesus tells us this master who is returning, who wants to be in relationship with us, is coming. Not that we will serve the master, but the master will serve us. It's an upheaval and a turning around of what it means to live with a listening heart with God. It's about being open to God in your life. To release the hold of attachment and detachment stuff has and to live in the kingdom that God wants us to. To release ourselves from the anxiety and worry of day-to-day living. One of the wisest things I heard was a friend of mine who sat there and said, you know, no matter how much you work, The next day, they're probably willing to let you go if it fits their bottom line. Think about how much time and energy we place in things that are never going to give us back. What if we actually lived? Lived not in a transactional economy, but a relational economy. The kind of world that God wants us to live in. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.